Welcome to the Sports and Entertainment Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and today we're discussing head trauma protection with the use of head impact sensors with Jesse Garcia, founder and CEO of Tezuda. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, I'm definitely really excited to be on the show today. Well, fantastic. Well, to begin, I want to start with your story of why and how you launched Tezuda. Yeah, absolutely. So back in 2009, I was a Lehigh University rugby player, and I was a prop at the time, and I was going in for a try, just kind of like the touchdown equivalent, and a girl just blindsided tackled me, and I, you know, just got up like normal and and kept playing, and then, you know, I definitely felt weird after the game. I was like, you know, I felt a little cross-eyed. You know, I saw some stars, but didn't really think anything of it. And then three days later, my coach, Tracy, was like, Jesse, I was reviewing the footage, and I'm so sorry I left you in the game. Like, you were definitely concussed, and you got hit again, and, you know, I can't let you play for the next couple days. But what really irritated me was that I just didn't know I was hurt. So... At that point, after the game, I had done everything wrong for recovery. And, you know, afterwards, I, you know, went to a party and, like, there were lots of loud noises and I didn't rest and I didn't go to a doctor, which was probably the most important thing, just because I didn't know I had to. I was just like, oh, you know, finished a game, no problems here. Um, But then when, you know, Coach Tracy looked at the footage and, and said that, I realized, wow, like, that's why I was feeling it. But afterwards, I had trouble reading for about six months. You know, loud noises and light irritated me constantly. You know, just didn't feel the same. So I knew then that I had missed an opportunity to treat my injury. So fast forward to 2012, I I did my master's in engineering, and I was in a program called Technical Entrepreneurship, which is like half product design, half business. And I I reflected on that experience that I was really, you know, sad that I didn't know and suffered for a really long time afterwards. So um, I started researching for devices like that. And I noticed that there was this mouth guard on the market at the time. It was a $200 mouth guard. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like this head impact sensor would alert me if I would have gotten hurt. But as a rugby player and as a college student, you know, I was going through four mouthpieces a season from like chewing on them or losing them. And I was like, there's no way I could afford this. So I was like, there has to be an affordable way to detect impacts and forces. And there wasn't. So that's kind of what really made me realize like, hey, like, you know, there's a need for this. Obviously, I experienced the problem myself. Um, But there's really a need to make it more affordable so people can have access to it. And that's kind of what really inspired me to, you know, do the R&D and make the Tizuda head impact sensor happen. You bring up a very good point because this head sensor technology hasn't always been affordable for everybody. It's, it's It's for the most part been cost prohibitive except for the the very well-funded um, 
individuals or or you know teams that can afford to to do something like that why why did it take so long to um for you know i guess the the industry to realize or really until you came along to to realize that this has been the barrier of entry for this type of life-saving equipment why did it take so long to realize that this needs to be affordable for everybody you know i think a lot of it is how people try to solve the problem. So, you know, as engineers, we automatically think electronics and, you know, if I put a battery to an accelerometer, like I can make this happen. But once you start involving electronics, that automatically drives the cost up. Um, so that's where I was like, you know, what's the opposite of expensive, low cost? You know, what's the opposite of electronics, mechanical? So I was like, you know, we can detect forces and impacts mechanically. And and that's really what, you know, drove the inspiration behind the technology was doing it purposefully in a mechanical solution um, to avoid those cost factors. But it is crazy. Like I would talk to coaches, you know, when I first came up with this idea, like, you know, off the bat, my idea was to go electronic because I'm an engineer and, you know, that's how we were taught to think. Um, but I would talk to coaches and they're like, yeah, like we got these great helmets, but we could only put them on five of our players. So which five players should we put them on? So the coaches have always been receptive to this type of technology, or at least like during the time that I've been in development, we're always like, this is great, but we can't, you know, we just can't do it. Um, so when I realized that was a really big factor in, in just use, that made me even more, uh, I guess, dedicated to, you know, finding the right price point for players and teams. Right. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the actual sensor itself. How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So we developed a patent pending technology. It's a spring based mechanism that essentially, I guess, we use biomimicry to replicate how your brain works. So your brain is a mass that moves independently inside your skull with cerebral spinal fluid. And it's basically a ball, like, you know, a mass that sloshes back and forth. So our device has two masses in it and it's in liquid and it can move independently. So it basically will, after a certain force has been exceeded, will release a red dye into the chamber, letting you know that you've been hit at a potentially dangerous level. But what's really cool about this solution is that it can detect impacts both linearly and rotationally. Um, so that's, you know, like a direct blow or a side blow, which is really critical for concussion research in general. And the, the device itself, I mean, it, it's half the size or even smaller of, you know, a, a AAA battery, right? Yes. It's, it's a very tiny device. We, we, we kind of find a sweet spot of visibility compared to weight. So something that a lot of youth coaches mentioned, they're like, you know, helmets are really heavy on kids' heads already. Is this going to slow them down? And it's like, no, this is very lightweight. Um, so that's an advantage. It's large enough that it's visible from the sideline which is a really critical feature. Um, yeah, and like I said, it's we, we didn't want to add another expense by saying, oh, you have to buy this helmet 
or this mouth guard or, you know, it's just use what you have already and just attach it to it. It's it's interesting to hear all of the applications. I mean, when we talk about athlete concussions, uh, this kind of mainstream awareness, I mean, it lies in what impact uh, football players are feeling. But uh, what are, you know, as you're seeing more use in youth, um, youth sports, I mean, what are, what are some of the ways you've seen this head safety you know, protocol expand to other sports? Oh, yeah. So, you know, like you said, it started in football. That's where all the awareness came from. I think that's where all the research spurred out of. Um, but, you know, we have users in football, hockey, um, outside of that. People from cycling have reached out to us, skateboarders, um, a bobsled team. Actually, the, I, what I find most interesting was the equestrian side of it. So I had a, a steeplechasing team. Those are like the ones that go over all the jumps and hedges. They reached out and they said that the first thing they tell people when they get off, the, like if they get thrown off a horse, is to get right back on. Because they don't want them to be scared of the horse. But this lady, Andrea, who I'm, I'm working with and who's exposed me to this world, said, you know, this is really counterintuitive for head, you know, head injuries or potential concussions because you need to get evaluated. So we've actually been doing some of that baseline research with her team out in uh, Chester County. And so we're realizing that a sport that literally told them to get back up on the horse um, after an injury, they're starting to realize, like, wow, like, you know, falling off a, an eight-foot horse can really be a damaging impact as well. So um, I think just the awareness of concussions is, has gone through the roof in, in all sports, really. Um, but, yeah, like, some of the, the more niche ones, like bobsledding and, and equestrian, like, they're, they're at the foundation level of starting those concussion protocols. You mentioned then that some of the the coaches are concerned that you know is this is this a a heavy device that's going to slow kids down or in um, an equestrian where they do want you to immediately get back up and and not um, not kind of delay and and uh, you know literally be afraid to get back on the horse. Uh, what are some of the other questions or? Um, I guess, skepticisms that you hear um, often from either parents or coaches? So I've found that after the age of 12, athletes and teams start focusing more on performance. You know, that's kind of when you join your first travel teams. That's when you, you know, parents start investing a little bit more, more money into their kids' athletic activities. So uh, sometimes coaches are like, is this thing going to go off all the time? And my answer is no, you know, because because um, they don't want to pull players. They want to pull players when they're hurt. They also don't want to pull players prematurely. You know, they want to find that fine balance of, you know, they want their team to win and they want their best players playing. But they also realize, you know, they tell me, you know, we need to do everything we can to save the sport. So that's a question I get a lot. You know, a lot of the times they're asked, like, you know, do I have to worry about turning it on or charging it? And in our case, the beauty of it is that it's always on. So it's always ready to go. Um, but what I tell them, I guess, with the going into contact, like, can you still go into contact without disactivating? And my answer is yes, because, you know, an average high school football game 
you know, a normal hackle is around 30 Gs from what our baseline testing has told us. And then our device activates for a high school play around 85 Gs. So if you're getting hit that hard, you know, it's not it's not the normal tackle or or push off the offensive line. It's it's a substantial blow. Right. Well, so I, I read a little bit about the basis in which you're forced. So you said it's set at 85 G. So if your research has shown that at 75 G's is where there's a 50% chance of concussion. Is that right? 60, correct. At 60, okay. Yeah. So we base our stats. We've been using Brown University's um, through their orthopedic school some of their studies to base off our thresholds. But what we can do um, with our technology is that we actually take an age level of play um, into consideration when we set those thresholds. So it's not the same for, say, a high school athlete versus an eight-year-old playing Pop Warner. So we have like individual trigger settings for those different age groups. I'm curious then, so you said that a typical um, high school game tackle is going to be about 30 Gs. What are some of the other, um, I guess, measures or baselines that you've seen other um, head impacts measure at? So for youth levels, those impacts are around 50 Gs. Like if they're seeing 50 Gs during a game, that's really significant for like, a, um, that's say like under 12 years old for under eight we're looking closer to like 35 to 40 um but their hits are much <laughs> much less they're more around like 10 to 15 g's like on average so a lot of it is just the mass behind the person and the acceleration that they're capable of achieving on the field or ice or um, things like that and we do see faster accelerations on ice because you can move faster when you're skating. And then with the equestrian team, we did some baseline testing. Like an average steeplechase is around 10 Gs worth of movement. So those kind of baseline tests help us know what a normal, you know, what normal activity looks like versus those extreme circumstances when you can get hurt. I'm curious then. So Tezuda, and am I pronouncing it right? Yes, Tezuda. Okay. And I, I, I read that it's a Spanish, it's the Spanish word for hard-headed, right? Yes. <laughs> My, <laughs> and uh, I love the story that it's from your grandmother, that this is a nickname of yours. Yes. Um, so yes, when I was younger, my abuelito Hortensia, who's like my grandma, my mom, uh, my dad's side, it's, it's like hard-headed in a determined way, but I would always, you know, be trying to do something like climb a tree and like I would keep trying like so many times and she would just be like, do it as Rito Suda, like, you know, you're so hard-headed. But it, it's in a determined way, so I kind of looked at it, um, you know, I was definitely an athlete that after I did get hurt and when my coach emailed me that I didn't want to accept it, like I was hard-headed and I wanted to keep playing because I all my best friends were, and I loved it, but I, I almost want people to embrace it in the opposite way, that it's like, you love your sport so much, like, why not give yourself the chance to play fully and recover properly, because that's what's really going to let you do that, not neglecting an injury or 
you know, pushing it off to the side because that's when the severe symptoms like I had occur. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, you're, you're right that it's it's longevity in the sport and being able to play the sport that, that you, you enjoy. And it's looking at the short term versus the long term. And that's something that when you're in the moment of it, that, that can't be hard. I mean, you can't think, okay, well, there's this game right now and this game, you know, if I don't play in this game and we don't win this game, you know, the season's over. And so that that drive to succeed in the short term versus thinking long term, okay, well, if I get hit, this could be, you know, maybe my brain hasn't healed from a last um, head, head injury and maybe this could be almost life threatening. So that's, I can certainly see the dilemma there. Have you heard any result stories um, from from people that have been using it and have, have found positive results? Um, well, we did have a team out in New Jersey who, they were our first users. So they were using them last season um, and they had four activations occur, which three led to proper diagnoses of concussion. So I know the coach was really, you know, happy that he had a tool one, to know when to get the players assessed and that, you know, three out of those four really did lead to proper assessment. So so I was really happy with those results. And now we this was kind of our first season rolling out into production. So we'll have about 2,000 active users um, for this fall football season. It's fantastic. And it started as a Kickstarter? It, yeah. So we, we just did a Kickstarter. Um, that kind of allowed us for our first full production run into this season, um, which was great that we were able to get it fulfilled. And that's actually where I got of a lot of exposure into some of those niche sports, like the bobsledding team reached out to us there. We had a longboarding club reach out to us. Um, and then just a lot of individual parents who were looking for, you know, like they, uh, we, I've noticed that a lot of parents that purchase our product were athletes themselves. So they want their kids to play sports, but now that they know more about the potential um, injuries that they have, they just want, you know, they want to have that extra awareness of knowing when to get their child properly assessed for an injury. So we, I've seen a lot of different use cases come through the Kickstarter itself. Well, that's got to be exciting to uh, to be on on the verge then of, of seeing uh, some some mass, you know, some mass usage and, and being able to really hone in on what the, the true value of it is. And that's protecting people's heads from concussions that in their, especially at such vulnerable ages, I guess I would ask you, what's the big picture? What's the most satisfying part of, 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 creating and founding this company? The most exciting part, I think, is just that people are still playing sports. I think that's what really, because like all my best memories come from being on softball team and rugby team. And, you know, those are all my best friends and I can't imagine my life without sports. So there's definitely some people out there who are just not allowing their kids to play. And I would hate for people to not have that experience in their life just out of fear. So I think that's really, really rewarding. Um, what's also really cool about our company is that 
we're actually manufacturing everything ourselves. Um, so we're really proud of the fact that, you know, we invented a new technology. We're building it from the ground up, making it in the USA. So, you know, I get to employ people and um, kind of help the economy out in a certain to a certain extent. So um, now it's just fun to see, like, what other applications we could apply it to, what other people can we keep safer um, by letting them know when they might have a potential head injury. Well, this certainly has a great, uh, great projection in front of it. So, um, as we uh, as we wrap up, just finally, uh, what's uh, what's your best hope? I mean, you know, what's what's the success story that you want to hear from a parent one day? That this device helped led to a proper diagnosis from a doctor. Um, that this helped an athlete recover fully from a head injury rather than leaving them susceptible to further injury like that that really is rewarding because I, I didn't get to experience that personally so if someone out there you know unfortunately sustains an injury recovers fully from it and could keep pursuing what they you know love to do to me like that would be no greater reward yeah absolutely well, Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, this was really great, Shelby. I really appreciate you having me on. Had a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, and thanks to you listeners for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries. Subscribe to articles, podcasts, and creative video. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Bye.